Deuteronomy chapter 28 this morning. And those of you who are here on Wednesday night and actually chose to come back this morning, kudos to you. Man, we, we slammed through three chapters, um, and, and it was intentional, and we needed to cover that. Uh, Cheryl often tells me, yeah, you needed to cover that all at once. You had to do that all at once. Um, and we, I felt like we did. And this Wednesday night, I just give you a heads up. <laughs> this may clear the auditorium, but we're going to do three chapters again. And then after that, no more three chapters. But I, I hope you're like me. Man, when I get into the Word of God and start rolling with the Word of God, I don't want to leave. Um, what we have to talk about this week, and if you missed Wednesday night, what we talked about Wednesday night was of amazing prophetic significance. So I would encourage you to go back and, and work your way through that if you haven't, um, and we will continue on. And this, this last section of Deuteronomy is my favorite section. Moses has, has finished his sermon. He did a great job, a phenomenal job of applying each of the Ten Commandments to life in the promised land. And most of Deuteronomy from about chapter 5 through chapter 26 or so is that sermon of, of Moses, but we're done with that. He's finished the sermon. And now we're into final words at the final end of this amazing man's life. And he's sharing the things on his heart. And the things on his heart are the things of God, as everything else has been. But, but this is, it's so poignant and so important and very practical. So I encourage you to hang with me through Deuteronomy as we get to the end. Chapter 28, verse 1, if you came this morning hoping to be blessed, you came on a good Sunday. Chapter 28, verse 1, now it shall be. If you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Oh, that our country would read and accept that verse. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beasts, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way. They will flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as he swore to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. So all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will be afraid of you. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the offspring of your body, in the offspring of your beast, in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord your God swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give you rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you only will be above and you will not be underneath. If you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today to observe carefully and do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Father, just speak to us. Give us your truth. Lord, give us your word we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, uh, so Mary, I'm just going to answer Mary Kennedy right now because she's texting me in the middle of my teaching from home. <laughs> so Mary, uh, we are having worship night this Wednesday night, and the next Wednesday we'll, we'll be back at teaching. So thank you for that, uh, letting me know. I am going to remove my watch so that I do not know people are texting me. Sitting there praying, and my watch is going zzz, zzz. <laughs> Got that, Mary? Worship night. So this Wednesday night, that's, uh, thank you, actually, is worship night. We're just going to worship night before Thanksgiving. And by the way, happy Thanksgiving. I always like the Sunday right before Thanksgiving because I love to get the happy Thanksgiving out as quickly as possible. Happy Thanksgiving. 
If you want to wish me one, that would be okay. Okay, thank you. Good. I, I just make sure that we're kind of mano imano here. Happy Thanksgiving. Listen, there is yet much to be thankful for. And right now, you wouldn't think so in this society, in our culture, in our world. There's a lot of darkness, a lot of bad, a lot of negative. God still has given us so much for which we can be thankful. God himself remains eternally exalted right on the throne in heaven, still overseeing all things. And he has not forgotten you and he has not forsaken me. And Jesus is coming soon. So we have a lot to be thankful for. And in hard times, like our world has been through over the last couple or three years, Thanksgiving is even more essential. Now, every year I do this, just about every year uh, since we started the bridge, I've gone to this quote at Thanksgiving time. October 3rd, 1863, midway through the American Civil War. Abraham Lincoln established Thanksgiving as a national holiday. Do you realize that timing? That the Civil War is raging on when Lincoln said, we are going to have the fourth Thursday of every November as a national day of giving thanks to God. You'd think, Lincoln, wait till after the war. Lincoln, do it another time, a day of Thanksgiving in the midst of all this bloodshed. I'd like you to, read the, or like you to hear the entire proclamation this morning. I thought about it, do I want to read the whole thing? Yes, I do, because it is, it's so uh, touching and I think very powerful and applicable today. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart, which is habitually insensitive to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression. Peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained. The laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. While that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union, Needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements and the mines as well of iron and coal as of the precious metals have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege, and the battlefield. And the country, rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor, is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of, thanks, uh, of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Why is thanksgiving so important even in dark times? Because it keeps our lives in right perspective. When we stop giving thanks, we begin to despair. We turn inward. Anger and strife and wars and protests and divisions and grumblings and complainings and contentions. Man, when that is the stuff of our nature, it is all about us. But when we turn to thanksgiving, our hearts turn to God. We get our eyes off of ourselves as we begin to be thankful 
We turn to the source of all blessing. It causes us to recognize and realize blessing. I saw this yesterday. I couldn't even believe it. Maybe you saw the article, the most recent thing to come out of cancel culture. Some university bigwigs are saying, we need to swap out Thanksgiving for a day of mourning. That's the new idea. And it's, the idea is we need a day of mourning for Native Americans who lost their land. Now, I have absolutely no problem with acknowledging and recognizing the pain caused to the Native American population in this country. But the, it's so messed up. It's as messed up as Black Friday, to be honest. It's the, the whole idea that the Thanksgiving weekend is about driving for shopping or about money or about anything other than what Abraham Lincoln declared, which is Thanksgiving to our beneficent father. A day of mourning, hey, we can feel bad about things. We can seek to make things right. But this is a day not about us. It's not about you or me. It's not about the Native American or any other person. It's not about the immigrant. This is about the Father. This is thanks to the Father. We swap out Thanksgiving for a day of mourning. Mourning is what we will have. We will be a sorrowful people. We need to give thanks. I don't know if you ever thought anyone could get so jacked up about Thanksgiving, but this is a big deal. This matters. It is more than the meal that you're going to share. It is more than the people you're going to be with on Thursday. You can be all by yourself and have a fantastic day of thanksgiving because it's about the Father. Lincoln continues, I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings that they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union." And that's, that's law. That's been written in. That's Abraham Lincoln declaring those words. William Seward, Secretary of State, writing them down. Both signed this in. And this is why we do Thanksgiving. I would advise you, look it up. You can Google it and find the exact text that I just read to you and read it over again. Think about what was said because it's remarkable that we can give thanks for the divine purpose. And by the way, the divine purpose ultimately is the glory of God. That's the ultimate deal, the glory of God. But a huge factor in that glory is recognizing his inherent goodness, which is thanksgiving. We recognize the goodness of God, that he desires to bless. And for that, we are truly thankful. These are all blessings I was looking forward to. I actually wanted to save Deuteronomy 28 for this morning to talk about the blessings of God, our beneficent heavenly Father, as Lincoln put it. So let's unpack these. Verse 1 again, It shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Okay, let's get it straight. Blessing in the Hebrew, all these blessings, it's barakot. Barakot is the plural form of barakah. Barakah, blessing, blessing, blessing. The word barakah is used 61 times in the Hebrew scriptures. Three times it's translated gift or present, 61 times, sorry, 61 times it's translated blessing, three times it's translated gift or present, one time it's, re it's rendered liberal or generous, not speaking of politics. Proverbs 11.25 says, the generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. So the, the barakah man, the blessing man, the generous man will be prosperous. Just one time there's another translation for it, and I think it's interesting, and you find this in the King James translation. The King James translates it pools, pools. 
Psalm 84, verse 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. I, I like that translation, pools of blessing. Imagine blessing filling up and overflowing and, and spreading out. I told the story years ago, my son Hayden was at a friend's house and they had one of these big outdoor pools, one of the big plastic ones, you know, but, but real tall, about that tall. And the side of it had just been repaired by my, my son's friend's mother. She had repaired it and they had filled it all the way up and it was almost completely full when that little repair gave way and the entire pool burst open. And Hayden and his friend went for a ride about a half a mile as that just poured out, just overflowing. And I thought about that this week. That, that's the blessing of God. It is a blessing that even unexpectedly will just overflow. It just floods, it pools, it swells, it rushes along the blessing of God. So again, it's blessing 61 times, gift three times or present, liberal or generous one time, and then pools one time for a grand total, listen, blessing used in the Hebrew Scriptures 66 times. Now, six being the number of man in the Bible sounds like God wants to bless mankind. Sounds like God is intent on blessing his people. Now, watch this because Moses instructs the people on a special ceremony wherein all these verses that we read would be read and responded to upon entering the promised land. If you'll just go back to chapter 27 and look at verse 12. Deuteronomy 27, 12. Love to hear the pages turn. Keep turning them. Well, don't keep, I mean, get to where you need to get. Don't just turn them to turn them. That's Verse 12, when you cross the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. Shimon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. For the curse, there shall stand on Mount Ebal, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And so what happened was Ebal, Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing, and these two mountains we shared on Wednesday are very close to each other. There's a valley between the two. You can stand on the top of Mount Gerizim and look directly atop, uh, across to the top of Mount Ebal. They're not mountains like we think of mountains in Washington. They're more large hills, high hills. And so in between these two hills of valley, Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal, and the valley in between. And what would happen is the priests and Levites and Joshua happens in Joshua chapter 8, will stand in the valley and read out the curses. And those on Mount Ebal will all say, Amen, curse for curse, Amen, curse is red, Amen. And then they read the blessings. And on Mount Gerizim, the people would shout, Amen, the blessing read, Amen. And they would go through this process together. But listen, Mount Ebal, we talked about Wednesday, means heap of ruins. Heap of ruins. Man, that's the cursed life. The cursed life results in a heap of ruins. And you might think, oh, well, Mount Gerizim, that's got to be like some kind of cool name, right? Actually, Mount Gerizim, though it is the Mount of Blessing, Gerizim means cut off. It's the plural form of cut off, cutting off, or cuttings off. Multiple people cut off. And that's exactly what happened to Israel. Curses, the heap of ruins, the land was left a heap of ruins and ultimately the people were cut off from the land, Ebal and Gerizim. Cut off from the blessings, the very blessings that were proclaimed and shouted amen on Mount Gerizim, the people would be cut off from those blessings because they disobeyed the covenant of God. By the way, in verse one, that word obey, chapter 28, verse one, you can go back there, obey is literally, the word is, and you'll know this word, Shema. Shema, the Shema. Remember what Shema means? Hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, the Shema. To this day, Jews will refer to, if you say, hey, do you know the Shema? They'll immediately say, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The Shema, the hear. But that word Shema, and the reason it's translated obey in verse 1, is because Shema means to listen with intent of obedience. 
It's an active listening. It's listen up and follow through is Shema. Now, the rebellious heart doesn't get this, doesn't understand this. The rebellious heart doesn't like even the way this comes across. And that is obedience to the Lord yields blessing. Obedience to the Lord yields blessing. Now, the rebellious person goes, oh, so I got to obey. Got to do what he says to get blessed. That's what you're saying. That's actually not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is to obey is to be blessed. That's just the way it is. There is blessing in obedience, in the act of obedience, in the heart of obedience. And yes, in what the Father does with our obedience, it yields blessing. It's in the same way that the natural law of gravity keeps my feet on the ground. Now, I can jump all I want, but I keep coming back down because gravity keeps me on the earth. So the spiritual law of blessing, or, or, or sorry, of obedience keeps me in the blessing. Obedience keeps me in the blessing that I'm aware of, that I move in, that I experience the blessing of God. I love in, in Luke 11, Jesus is talking. And so people then were like people now. A woman in the crowd interrupted him and shouted out. She was just so excited by all the things that he was saying. Luke 11:27 27 says, she raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. I don't know what a British woman was doing there at the time. <laughs> but Jesus heard that and he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Jesus says, that's where you're going to find blessing. It's not in who your mother is. It's not in who your family is. Some of you might say, amen. It's not in where you go or who your friends are or what your job is or how hard you work. That's not where the blessing is. Blessed are those who hear Shema, who hear the word of God and observe it. You will find blessing there. That is the result of obedience. Obedience yields blessing, specifically obedience to the Lord. And so then Moses begins to roll into these blessings, and, and here they are. Follow these through. Verse 3, blessed you shall be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country, and blessed shall be the offspring of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beasts, and the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Six blessings. So six times Moses says, Baruch Atah, Baruch Atah, blessed shall you be, or easier to say, blessed are you, blessed are you, Baruch Atah. Next time somebody sneezes at work, say, Baruch Atah. And they'll be like, excuse me? <laughs> it's the Hebrew gesundheit. Blessed are you. It's blessing for the people. But, but get this, it's not just blessing for the people, Baruch Atah. Baruch Atah, Atah is in the singular. So it's as if Moses, if he were talking to us right now, would look each person in the eye and say, Jim, blessed are you. It's singular. Hey, we're all blessed. But, but Carrie, blessed are you. Baruch Atah. It is personal, it's singular, it's individual. As Moses speaks this to the millions gathered around him on the plains of Moab, he's looking each one in the eye. He's saying, blessed are you, and you, and you, and you. Baruch Atah. Blessed are you, note this, locationally. You can jot some things down. I'll give you some words to think these through. Blessed are you locationally, he says in verse 3. That is in the city and in the country. Blessed are you locationally, wherever you dwell. Blessed are you, city slicker. Blessed are you, country bumpkin. You're both blessed, or you're blessed if you be in the country or if you are in the city, wherever you go, from Jerusalem down to the Galilee. Or we might say from Seattle to Cedro Woolley. Blessed are you, locationally. Psalm 107, 35, he changes a wilderness into a pool of water and a dry land into springs of water. By the way, have you ever experienced that with the Lord? Where you're just dry and you're cracked and, and you're thirsty and things aren't going well and you begin to give thanksgiving. Or you get into his word. Find yourself midway through a Bible study and you're just 
thirst quenched. You just feel like you're swimming in a pool of, of fresh water. We have a new puppy at home. And I've said I'm convinced that God made puppies cute and smell sweet and be soft and fluffy and playful so that you don't kill them at night. <laughs> but Cheryl bought this, this little drinking bowl that kind of keeps the water going all the time. It's got a little fountain there, and we're going all in on this crazy dog. And, and her name, by the way, is Suki. So Suki is the new Crawford uh, Golden Retriever. By weight, looks like she's going to be about, I don't know, 700 pounds. I'm not sure, somewhere around that. <laughs> but that little fountain just, just goes all the time, 24-7. And that's, that's like the blessing of, of the Lord. It's like pools when you're thirsty. And there he makes the hungry to dwell so that they may establish an inhabited city. And so fields and plant vineyards and gather a fruitful harvest. So city, country, wherever you may be, blessed are you locationally. Blessed are you fruitfully. I like this in verse 4. You might note this in your Bibles. Depending on your translation, if it says offspring, produce, offspring, all three of those words, blessed shall be the offspring of your body, the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beast. It's all the same word. It's all fruit. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of the ground, the fruit of the beast. I mean, there's more rhythm and, and rhyme to that anyway. That's what Moses is saying. Peri is the Hebrew word. Offspring, produce, fruit, and it speaks of, man, blessings of generations, your children and their children and their children, blessed. It speaks of their lands, the fruit of the vine, of the vineyard, and the harvest of the field, blessed, and their flocks and their herds, blessed. And by the way, there are kingdom overtones in this blessing. Listen to this, Isaiah 65, verse 21 they will build houses and inhabit, and they will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. They will not plant and another eat. For as the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. And my chosen ones will wear out the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they are the offspring, the fruit of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. Blessed you will be fruitfully. Blessed are you. So wherever you are locationally and, and, and whatever you do fruitfully, it's going to be blessed. If your heart is obeying, you're following the Lord, blessing is just going to continue to flow. Blessed are you, the next one, culinarily. I think I made that word up, but we're going to go with it. Culinarily, what do you mean? The basket and the kneading bowl. He says there in verse 5, blessed are you, Barukata, your basket and your kneading bowl, which speaks of daily supply. It speaks of your essentials, always there. Old Mother Hubbard has got a full cupboard, is what this is saying. Blessed are you in all these things. The fridge is full and the pantry is stocked. It's like a cornucopia, although I don't like that thing. The cornucopia, I don't know if you're aware of that. You know, you know what we're talking about. It's in every Thanksgiving meme and picture. You get a card, it's, chances are good it's going to have a cornucopia on it, that basket that's got the fruit kind of spilling out. Honestly, look at a cornucopia. It's one of the stupidest baskets ever invented. <laughs> it gets smaller, right? It's wide open at the top, and then it horns into this tiny little, it's like there's nothing in there. It all falls out. Who made this thing? The pagans <laughs> is who made it. The whole point of the cornucopia and even its meaning, it's rooted in Greek and Roman mythological gods. One in particular, uh, it comes from the stories of Amalthea. Amalthea, the nourishing goddess. Oh yeah, let's give thanks to her, whoever she is. <laughs> Do you know who Amalthea is? The nourishing goddess is a goat. And the reason why the cornucopia is shaped like that is it's shaped, it's fashioned after a goat's horn. It's a pagan offering. If you've got one set up at home, I'm sorry, I ruined Thanksgiving for you. <laughs> Blessed are you, Baruch Atah. Abundant blessing comes from only one source. It does not come from the nourishing goddess. It's not, by the way, from your hard work either. You will not fill your Thanksgiving table this week because you've worked hard for it and somehow overcome inflation. That's not the deal. It's not luck. 
It's not gods or goddesses or the universe has been kind this year. No, your Father who is in heaven, Jesus said. Matthew 5.45 causes his son to rise on evil and good. He sends rain on righteous and unrighteous. What does that mean? It means God cannot help but be good to those who dwell on this earth, even if they be evil. God is still God. He's still good. I thought you said obedience yields blessing. Oh, it does. Something that the evil will never experience or understand. But, but Jesus says, look, God brings rain. He brings the sun. He blesses everyone. And it's nothing but grace that blesses the Thanksgiving table or your life and mine. It is God's good grace. And I like to think of it this way. Why would God bless someone who's evil? Because this life is the only chance they will ever have to be blessed. He blesses because that's who he is. Every good thing given, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God is good all the time. All the time God is good. James 1.17 if there are blessings, if there's plenty, if the cupboards are full, it's because of the giver of all good things. But listen, to the follower, Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 31, do not worry then saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And here's the key. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Do you realize how much time is wasted by Christians striving over the next paycheck? Worried about will we have enough to get a turkey this year? These things that, that Christians strive over, what Jesus would say to you and to me, is stop striving and just start seeking the kingdom and his righteousness. You turn to the Lord. By the way, go there in thanksgiving. You have one can of beans left in the cupboard. Thank you, Lord, for the can of beans. Why would you thank God for one can of beans left in your cupboard? Because he knows what I need. And he knows all these things will be added to me if I'll just seek him, his righteousness, his kingdom, focusing on him, not myself, not my lack, but on his goodness. Abundance, it comes from the Lord. And by the way, it's a completely different mentality. Instead of seeking the horn of plenty, we're seeking the kingdom to come. Instead of hoping to scrape by, we're looking at what he's promised. Our eyes are there. Our focus is there. Blessed are you, verse 6, going on, we could say routinely, routinely blessed are you. When you come in, and blessed are you when you go out. So in your daily routine, this is the blessing. Listen, I love this. The blessing of common daily life. It's a blessing. You woke up this morning. That's a blessing. You breathe that first breath. That's a blessing. If you breathed it out on a spouse, maybe not so much of a blessing. But <laughs> you had that, that first bite of food. You saw that first friend or loved one. You prayed you began with blessing, common everyday life for those who see the blessing. See, the one who gives thanks, they see the marvelous in the mundane. They recognize that even though today's just a day like any other, hey, for the follower of Jesus, no, it's not. Today's full of its own blessing. Today, Jesus is doing things right here, right before me. And the best days in my life are the days where I acknowledge and recognize those little things. Common, everyday things. Listen, if you struggle with thankfulness, maybe it's because you're not recognizing the common blessings. You're looking for the big ones and you're missing what he just did five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, this morning, this afternoon. The common daily life. Don't miss what God is doing in that. When you go out, when you come in, the routine blessings Psalm 121, verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. When was the last time you thanked God for shade on a hot day? 
The sun will not smite you by day and the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. I like that one. God will keep my mind, my soul. If I will trust him, I'm not going to be sitting there spinning out all kinds of scenarios about what might go wrong tomorrow in my life. Because God keeps my soul. He even keeps charge of my thoughts. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Six personal blessings here that the Lord gives. And we bundled a couple of them, as, as we pointed out, locationally and fruitfully and culinarily and routinely. These are all the blessings of the Lord that are just promised to those who obey him. But now they're followed by six powerful promises, verses 7 through 13. So Moses shifts a little bit. They're still blessings, but they're, they're more acknowledging the source that the Lord will do this, the Lord will do this, he says over and over. So six blessings followed by six powerful promises for a total of 12, meaning that the blessings and promises, at least in this section, are implicating Israel. These are the blessings and promises for you, Moses says to the 12 tribes as they listen in. And the, the next one in verse 7, the Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way. They will flee out before you seven ways, which means they will be completely routed. Verse 7, we can say the Lord shall fight for you militarily. Militarily. Nationally, that speaks of peace from the threat of foreign invasion or attack. But personally, spiritually, think about this. The Lord shall fight for you militarily. I wonder how many times in my life I've come under spiritual attack and I didn't even know it because God was fighting for me. How many times I should have been taken down whether emotionally or, or intellectually or, or even physically, and I wasn't because the Lord my God was fighting for me, militarily taking his stand. And it's even greater than that in this attitude of, of thanksgiving and the blessings of God. Psalm 23, verse 5, listen to the context. David says, you prepare a table before me, a table, in the presence of my enemies. I love that. My enemies are freaking out. I'm saying, pass the potatoes. You know, that the enemies are lining up to attack, and I'm having a second helping of turkey. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup overflows. So it's a full spread, an anointed head, and a, and a cup of red. But all of this while the enemies are on the attack or in presence, that they're all watching. And I like what Les says about this. It's like God prepares this table in front of my enemies and makes them watch me eat. <laughs> Look, you can't touch him. You can't touch her. As they're enjoying this meal and you're just railing and freaking out, you can't touch him because the Lord fights for you militarily. Imagine you just sat down to a Thanksgiving dinner sitting around the table with your friends, and all of a sudden you hear distant explosions. And they're getting closer and closer, and you hear missiles literally coming in and landing and hitting Whidbey and Fidalgo Island, followed suddenly by Navy jets that are scrambling to meet a holiday attack. Right on Thanksgiving Day. It's what happened to Israel. Not on Thanksgiving Day, but on October 6, 1973, they had just sat down across the country for a solemn remembrance of Yom Kippur. Many of them were in the synagogues. Most of the military might of Israel that day was, uh, was relieved. They were on R&R. &R. They were with family and friends. They were at home. There were a very small handful of people at Command Central trying to keep an eye on things, and they missed what was going on. And there, the morning of Yom Kippur, a two-front war opened up for tiny Israel as Egypt attacked from the Sinai and Syria attacked from the Golan Heights. They were coming two ways. And it was all Israel could do to scramble and, and try to respond to this. And it's a war they should have lost. By all accounts, they should have been wiped out. But what began as a horrible holiday surprise ended in victory for Israel. 
it reminds me that God still keeps Israel. That he still fights for them militarily. Why? Because of his patience. Because he still has promises in play. Yeah, but Rick, there, there was disobedience. No doubt, no doubt. And, and it caused much of the pain of the last 2,000 years for the Jewish people. God still got his eyes on Israel. He has brought military victory to Israel more times than I can count. And, and even to modern Israel in ways that are stunning, the stories are remarkable. I wish I had more time to share them. But the Yom Kippur War was a victorious war for Israel. And there were things that the Lord did, I'm convinced, in that war that just, you know, Syrian army ready to roll on the Golan Heights. But they hear a sound and they think there's a vast Israeli army hiding. They're going to wipe us out. So they pull back only to find out it was two Jews. <laughs> I don't even know what they were doing, having an argument or something. I don't know. Many stories like that. The Lord will fight for you militarily. Verse 8, the Lord will command blessing upon you in your barns. I used to love to read that one back when we were in the barn. Blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So the Lord will bless your barns substantially. Substantially. Now, I mentioned culinarily before and uh, looking at kind of our daily food stuff. This is not daily food stuff. This is long-term food store. That the Lord will bless you substantially. He'll fill your barns. It's, a, it's much more than immediate baskets and kneading bowls. We're talking about future provision. That you don't have to worry about next week or next year or the year after that. You don't have to worry about storage. You don't have to worry about, the Lord would say, Moses says to the people of Israel, retirement. If you obey the Lord. By the way, the best investment you can make in your life is obedience to Jesus. Start there. I'm not saying don't invest. I'm not saying don't, you know, prepare for retirement. That's between you and God, what he is leading you to do. But you begin by investing your heart in the Lord and being obedient to him. That's where our, our hope comes from. That's where our provision comes from, the substance even in our lives. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Why? Because obedience yields blessing. It's just a dynamic. That's just how it works. Obedience yields blessing. The Lord will bless your barns substantially. Do we really think, now ask yourself this question, honestly, do I really think that I can provide better for myself and my future than he can? See, if we would start with that kind of mentality, we'd recognize where the source of our blessing really is. And again, thanksgiving would be the result. He's the one who provides for me. He's the one who has blessed me so richly over my life. He's the one who said, by the way, in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this. And that's always the tithing verse. We go to it, you know, to make people a little uncomfortable and, and push the issue of, of tithing. Bring up the finances and watch people wiggle and squirm. I love that. But listen to what he says. It, see, test me in this. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out blessing until it overflows. It's the principle. Obedience yields blessing. Think about the windows of heaven. Think about God literally saying, storehouse number 4,719. Open those windows. As the blessing just pours out. And it's a great picture there. The Lord blessing us substantially as we will simply obey, simply trust him. Verse 9, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as he swore to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways so that all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will be afraid of you. The Lord will establish you identifiably. Ever wonder at the very idea that God would share his name are you kidding? That the Lord Almighty, majestic in the heavens, eternal in all power and glory, would say, and by the way, I'm giving you my name. 
More than 5,000 times in the Bible we read the name Israel. Israel. Yisrael, Prince of God, or God prevails. That just being of Israel means you wear the name of the Lord. He hands you God himself. He says, I will establish you as holy to me. And you are called by the name of Yahweh. Now, what's interesting to me is in the New Testament, just three precious times, three being that number of resurrection and life, three times we hear another namesake. Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Acts 26, 28, Agrippa replied to Paul, in such a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian? And then 1 Peter 4, 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. When was the last time you just said, Thank you, Lord, for giving us the name of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that I get to be called a Christ follower, a Christian. It began as a derogatory name, little Christ. Oh, yeah, you're just little mini Jesus running around there. It's such a blessing to be called as a Christian. That's our name. That's our namesake. And God says, Man, I tell you what, you want to identify with something today? People throwing around that word all over. Today I identify as this. Today I identify as that. You know what? I identify as Christian. That's who I am because of the grace of God in Jesus. Verse 11, the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. And here we see it again. In the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your beast, in the fruit of your ground. So offspring, offspring, and produce there are fruit, fruit, fruit. In the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to give you this promise, this, it accompanies the blessing above. So the fruit here is tied to the fruit above. And again, it's, it's fruit. The Lord will make you abound productively. Productively, fruitfully and productively. Listen, here's the difference. It's not just that he's going to give you fruit. It's that he's going to produce the fruit in you. That the very production of the fruit itself comes from the Lord. That he will plant, he will cultivate, he will nurture, he will harvest. You just get to receive the fruit. That's how it works for you and me spiritually. The fruit of the Spirit is of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Rick's hard work to become a good little Christian. It's the fruit of the Spirit in me. He produces the fruit that I get to enjoy. And that was the blessing to Israel. God will produce this in the land. You will be just overflowing with marvelous fruit. Verse 12, the Lord will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give you rain in your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. Now, we've talked about the storehouse, but this last one I would say the Lord opens the heavens irrigationally. Irrigationally that he gives the early and the late rains in Israel. And by the way, the early and the latter rains are everything in a land that only has the Jordan River running down it. In fact, it has one lake, one freshwater sea, the Galilee. Oh, there's the Mediterranean saltwater sea. There's the Red Sea saltwater sea. There's the Dead Sea. Don't want to be drinking that. And there's the Galilee, and it's the one reservoir for all Israel. And it depends on the rains. If the rains come, the people are blessed. If the rains don't come, if there's drought, it's dangerous. People talk a lot, and, and some of you actually follow these things in the news. The, is the Galilee high this year, or is the Galilee dangerously low? Because that's their water source for the whole entire land. And the Lord says, listen, I will, I will bless you. The Lord will open for you the heavens, the storehouse of heaven, specifically the rains will come. The rains will pour. Psalm 65, verse 9, you visit the earth and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The stream of God is full of water. You prepare their grain, for thus you prepare the earth. You water its furrows abundantly. You settle its ridges. You soften it with showers. You bless its growth. Again, he is the provider of all these things. 
Jacob says in James 5, 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. Listen, when you feel like it's just raining on your parade, be thankful because the Lord is irrigating your heart. When you're going through tough times or dry seasons, the Lord is softening. The Lord is pouring out. The Lord is going to bring the blessing, but he's got to soften the earth of your heart to receive it. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for his irrigation. And then finally he says, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you only will be above and you will not be underneath. So the Lord promises position internationally. I'm going to give you an international position, Israel. You're going to be at the top of the heap. Six blessings. Six promises of blessing for Israel. You know what's amazing? Israel, though cursed through time for not keeping the law, is still today a major player on the world stage. And I keep saying this, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. What country the size of Israel has the influence of Israel in this world? No one comes close. And it shouldn't be that way. Forget about Israel. They're a postage stamp over there. Who cares? God cares. And, and while there are other bigger countries and there are other military countries and there's other strength around the world, man, God has kept Israel internationally. The, the prime minister of Israel stands up at the United Nations. Everyone's paying attention because God still keeps his people internationally on the world stage. Why? Because you can't shut off the blessings of God. Even their disobedience does not shut off the blessings of God. Now, listen up. So we've gone through all this, these blessings, these promises, and understand once again, all of these blessings are conditioned on their obedience. If, verse 13 continues, you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today to observe them carefully. That is, again, Shema, to obey them, to keep them, to do them. And do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. And go back and listen to verse 1 again. Now it shall be if you diligently hear and obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. There's an important word here. He says... If you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments. And you might want to circle that in your Bibles. All his commandments. The word is kol. K-O-L. Kol. All. It means, it translates literally, all. If you're diligent to obey all the commandments, all 613 and all that they imply in your life, you've got to keep them all, the whole enchilada. The last letter, the smallest stroke, Jesus put it this way, Matthew 5, 18, truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. All the law, coal. I read that and I think, man, sounds like someone's going to get some coal in their stocking for Christmas. You don't keep all the blessing you will get, or, or keep all the law, you will get all the curses. If you keep all the law, you get all the blessing. Well, I read that and I think, so much for the blessing. When was the last time you kept all the law, all the requirements, all of the commandments of God listed out in the scripture? Anybody here capable of keeping them all? I'd like to meet you. Because that person doesn't exist. And I'm right back to that obedience. It yields blessing, and yet obedience has got to be all. It's all or nothing. i got to keep it all. If they require obedience to all the law, that is these blessings, we're in trouble. Israel was in trouble. And so for the rest of chapter 28 that we looked at already, 53 verses of profoundly Painful prophecies. 
there were curses lifted out, listed out there in verse in chapter 27. And then there's blessings at the beginning of chapter 28. And then beginning in verse 15 of chapter 28, for 53 verses, it's curses. And it's not that he's unloading on the previous curses or, or giving him more curses. No, he's just saying, this is what's coming. This is what's going to happen. Bitter curses, not blessings. And it is prophetic of the entire history of the Jewish people all the way up to present day. You read chapter 28 and it reads like a history book of what Israel experienced and went through. Why? Because they failed to do all, to obey all of the words of this law. And what about you? What about me? Ever feel like our blessings are conditioned on our behavior? Don't tell me you don't think that way because I know you do sometimes. How do you know? Because when things are going wrong in our lives, what do we think? What am I doing wrong? If things are going wrong, I must be doing something wrong. If things are, are bad, what am I missing? What do I need to do? How can I fix this? How can I be more obedient? Because clearly I'm not obeying, therefore I'm not getting blessed. And it absolutely remains true that obedience to the Lord yields blessing, but how can anyone expect to be blessed by God if these are the conditions? And we're setting up, God actually set up a real conundrum for us. Here are the blessings. Be sure you keep all my law. Well, so what do we do? We turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is what we do. Turn over there right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1. Let's bring this together. Here's what we have to be thankful for. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Just passed midway through the New Testament. It comes right after 1 Corinthians if you're having trouble finding it. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 19. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silvanus and Timothy was not yes and no, but is yes in him. Listen, yes in him. Jesus is not up and down, back and forth, hot and cold, if and then, yes and no. He doesn't leave us wondering. He is just all in, all yes. The promises of God. Listen, as many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes. Therefore, also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. The promises of God, the blessings of God are only as good as his promises fulfilled. Here's the deal. Listen, Jesus fulfilled the entire law. Jesus kept it all from start to finish. The smallest letter to the smallest stroke. Jesus kept every aspect of the law completely in himself. Listen to this again. Matthew 5, 18. He said, truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law. But here's the key. Until all is accomplished. What did Jesus say on the cross of Calvary? To us die. It's finished. It's all done. It's all accomplished. It's been kept. Jesus fulfilled every line of the law. He did, dotted every I of God's intentions. He crossed every T of Torah. Every requirement of obedience, Jesus kept absolutely. He's the one who said, Psalm 40, verse 8, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It's written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is written, is within my heart. So here's the deal. If obedience is the key to blessing and Jesus is the perfectly obedient, then we need Jesus. And in Jesus, all the blessings flow. All the blessings are yours. All the promises of God in Jesus Christ. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts 
As a pledge? A, a pledge of what? Let me just ask that question. You guys can answer this. I know you can answer this. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a seal of the pledge. What pledge? The pledge of what? Good. Eternal life, eternal life, salvation, salvation. I think someone in the back said so. Yes. Yes. Now, say it with conviction. A pledge of what? Salvation. Amen. Both work. You could also say our inheritance. Now, the reason I ask you and I want you to answer this is because too many Christians walk around not feeling sealed. Too many Christians walk around uncertain of where we're going, hoping that we're going to be saved, hoping we have eternal salvation. God says, I've given you my spirit as a pledge. All you got to do is walk in my spirit. I, I'm not so good at walking in my spirit. Okay, but I've done that. Do you believe in me? The Lord would say, yes, Lord. Do you trust me? Jesus would say, yes, Lord. Got you covered. You are sealed with salvation, a pledge. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, in him, in Jesus, you, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory, which means he gets the glory, we get the blessing. And the blessing is in Christ Jesus. I, I just, that, that thrills me. Because it truly is a conundrum when you look at law and you look at the requirement to obey, not only to listen, but to do all of the law. Cole, you got to keep it all. And I read it and I go, well, I love these blessings. I want these blessings, but I can't keep the law. No, but I can trust Jesus who kept the law. And I received the blessing. And man, that's when the blessing starts to flow. If I will turn my eyes on Jesus, if I will put my faith, my trust in Jesus, he will bless. Now, I'll conclude with this. Summertime in Southern California, it meant beach. That's just what we did. We jumped in the car and we headed to the beach as often as we possibly could. And if we were out of gas, we'd mow the lawn, get some cash, and we'd go drive to the beach. And we go to Salt Creek or Dana Strands or, or we go to a Thousand Steps. And there are all kinds of places that you could go, all kinds of places that you wanted to be on a hot Southern California day there at the beach. The one place you did not want to be ever was too far from the coming wave to get out to it and just bob safely over it and too far from shore to retreat. Now, if you grew up in California or you've been in waves like this, you know what I'm talking about. Danny, you know what I'm saying here. The wave's coming, and there's no way I can get back to shore before it crashes and, and wipes me out. But there's no way I can get out to, to float up over the wave before it's crashing and wiping me out. That's a terrifying place to be. You're standing there going, I'm, I'm about to get creamed. I'm about to be completely wiped out. You just stand there with the expectation of the wave coming upon you and overtaking you. And I thought, what an apt description of the blessings of God. See, he says again in verse 2, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Well, I'm not good at the obedience part. I'm working on that. I want to be better on that. But you know what? It's the faith. So I have faith in Jesus who kept the law, who obeyed, who listened and did everything that the Lord said, everything required. And I trust in him. And all of a sudden, all of these blessings come upon me. This is, by the way, not prosperity gospel. I'm not saying trust in Jesus and you'll just be rich beyond all measure. No, trust in Jesus and you will be blessed beyond all measure. And there's a difference. See, it's the blessing of God that makes truly rich. He has no sorrow to it, nor can toiling increase it. The blessing of God. You trust Jesus, the blessing will overtake you. It will flood you. It will it, it douse you. It will soak you. It will come upon you. Deuteronomy 27 and 28 are a contrast of blessings and curses, and the way they are described, it's wave upon wave of one or the other. The difference between the two is, again, obedience. So I'll ask you this morning, do you stand in the obedience of Christ? He's the obedient one. Do you trust in him? Do you trust that he has kept all of this word? Then you will be blessed 
You will be blessed. You will be blessed. God wants to bless you. In fact, Isaiah 30, verse 18 says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. Why? For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. So my prayer for you all this morning, this Thanksgiving week, is that you would be blessed with that longing. Blessed with the longing for Jesus. And happy Thanksgiving. Is Jesus your Savior? Yes. Amen. Amen. 